0: Hey, brand new advertiser of ours on the Zabecast, the Vincero Collective. Vincero is a premium lifestyle brand based in San Diego, and they carry the finer things, watches, sunglasses, and much more. At Vincero, they're designing everything in-house. They source all their own materials. They produce their products in small batches, then ship directly to the consumer. Products made to last with quality you can feel. And they're eye-catching, modern designs that stand the test of time. Perfect for a day out on the golf course while driving, a night out with your wife or girlfriend. Watches, sunglasses, those kind of things. You want nice things, Vincero, baby. They know nice things. The watches, surgical grade, stainless steel casings with Italian marble inlays, traditional automatic and Japanese quartz movements, and they come in stainless steel, durable silicon, or Italian marble straps. As far as their glasses go, they come with handcrafted frames. You can get either polarized lenses that provide 100% UVA and UVB protection, or... Blue light blocking glasses to help combat the harsh glow from all of our screens. And they come in both men's and women's styles, so they're perfect for you or a gift. Now, what if you buy something from Vincero and it doesn't meet your expectations? Well, don't worry. Five-year guarantee and a 365-day free return policy has you covered. But don't take my word for it. Try them yourself with over 30,000 five-star reviews and features in Forbes, Business Insider, Newsweek, just to name a few. Vincero offers you a shopping experience you can trust. Vincero, offering a special 15% and free shipping discount to my listeners by using promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo. So support the show and check them out. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O collective.com forward slash Zabe. Today on the ZabeCast, from two weeks to slow the spread to now, I just can't quit, you. Some thoughts I have on America's collective case of long COVID. Phil Mushnick lays down carpet bombs of truth on both the new Apple TV, MLB booth, and Jim Nance and his tiger worship. We've got nerdy golf stats, Colin Kaepernick, and Twitter to boot. Your 30-minute Zave Express is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Tuesday, April 19, 2022. Thank you for downloading just me today because I have a number of things I've got to get off my chest, and I just figured... You come here for me, don't you? Little old me. Got a correction to make here. Uh, Dave Baru. Dave Baru. Andy Pauly fact check. He says Bob Gibson didn't have 13 complete games in 1968. He had 13 complete game shutouts. He had 28 total complete games. And then would have 20 plus complete games the next four seasons. But pitchers do throw much harder these days, and while their muscles might be stronger, their joints and their ligaments are not. One thing Bill James is pretty clear on is that younger pitchers should not be over That's what happened to Dwight Gooden, who was so dominant. He racked up huge innings as a youngster, and of course the cocaine, etc., probably didn't help him out as well. Also, didn't either one or two of the Cubs ace phenoms back in the early aughts blow out their elbows, pitching too many innings too early. Thank you for that correction. Uh, I appreciate it. So the big news today is that the mask mandate on planes, trains, and automobiles, although there's not a mandate in your car, but I still see people (laughs) with masks on in their own cars. And I say to myself, oh, my God, what does it take to live in that brain of that poor person? The mask mandate on airports and planes is gone. Down it goes. And hallelujah for that. Let's go ahead and celebrate with the Ghana funeral meme music. I mean, you know, it was enacted by Biden right after he was sworn in. And that was only a year and a couple months ago. But it seems like it's been around a lot longer. I don't know. I'm just going to celebrate here for a second. Harpooned by a federal judge in Tampa, and of course, some on the left, most on the left, went immediately crazy because this is now just a partisan issue. It's just us versus them, Democrats versus Republican. They went crazy because it was issued by a woman who was a federal judge, and she's only 35, and she's a Trump appointee, and say it with me, it's Florida. Oh, and she's also attractive, which they won't admit this, but you know that's in the mix. Young, attractive Trump appointee from Florida, can't possibly know the law. The judgment, uh, the ruling is well written and very uh, detailed and very well argued, and it wouldn't probably be overturned on appeal. I don't think the Biden administration is going to go on appeal because if it gets cemented, think about this, they go when they appeal, they knock it all the way up the food chain, and they lose, then it's cemented that the CDC doesn't have the powers that the Democrats think the CDC should have course, people complaining about this ruling, they'll attack the judge, uh, but they will not try to uh, attack the facts or the law or even the logic behind it or illogic behind it. By the way, the CDC has been losing steadily in case after case about all the shit it cannot do, shouldn't do, and doesn't know shit about. Rent eviction moratoriums, vaccine requirements, and on and on and on. And yet, there are many people who will be upset by no masks on planes again because it makes them scared. Like, really, truly scared. See, what we used to not really know in society was just how many mentally unwell people were lying in the weeds all around us. And yet, the lunatics lunatics have been roaming freely in society for decades. It's just we didn't know it because society did not indulge them in their mental crutches. The pandemic and COVID rules both acted like a blacklight to expose them, but also an activating agent to allow them to wreak havoc on the rest of us, screaming at shoppers and Walmarts to wear their mask, calling the cops on their neighbor's who let their kids go out and play on the playground together, physically assaulting strangers in the street. I mean, we've all seen it. Your mental battle is yours to fight. With your doctor, with your therapist, with whomever. With Johnny Walker Black, Johnny Walker Red. Whatever. It's not mine. It's not anyone else's. Society needs to forcefully remind these people of that fact. Your mental battle is yours. And when no amount of coddling, no amount of sympathy, no amount of, no amount of empathy, no amount of accommodation or rules or metrics will ever be enough, as we have seen. In large part because America is a selfish, paranoid, entitled, and soft nation. And ironically, it was made so by incredible prosperity and freedom built up through the years, as envisioned by the founders, cemented by the Constitution, and hardened by the Bill of Rights. All the wonderful this that came from all of the that, which the radical left is savaging and ravaging at every opportunity, is under assault. But now all the good stuff the country had is starting to drain out like an inflatable swimming pool with a big gash in the side. And the lunatics, or more like the garden-variety Democrats of today, are relentless. And if you don't believe me, look at the CDC mask mandate and how long it lasted. And look at cities that want to mask up toddlers. Two years in, four boosters later, hundreds of millions infected, lots and lots of treatments, therapeutics, once people get COVID and maybe take a turn for the worse. It's fucking over but it's not over for those who want to run your life and mine in every way that they can. And again, they 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 let go of these newfound this newfound authority over any little part of your life, like a mask mandate in you know airports or on planes, they hold on to it with a death grip. Because they know the advantage of you get a little bit here, every bit of ground gained is Ground, you can then launch a new attack on to go, well, now we're going to mandate this. We're going to control that. We're going to tax this, everything else. I'm preaching to the choir. You smart people who listen to this podcast understand how it works. We've seen it, though, in broad daylight the last two years. Alaska Airlines, an hour after the ruling, said, boom, we're done. They put out a, a, a social media post with a professional photograph of one of their smiling flight attendants peeling off her mask. United was next. It's 718 at night right now on a Tuesday night. I'm sure they'll all be done by the morning because they, they're they tired of doing it as well. But man, I, I don't know about you, but flying these, this last year, I have encountered some flight attendants who got off. I mean, got off on the whole, you know, over your nose, please. And I just swallowed it because I said, you know what? I got no fucking leverage on this airplane. I don't want to be on a watch list. I don't want to be on no fly list. I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to get like, I'm just like, don't say anything to me and I won't say anything to you. So thank God it's over. At least the mask mandate. But you know, the battle is going to continue because you know, the Democrat party, which has been hijacked by the insane left, they want to control everything they can. And they think, ah, yeah, the swimming pool's leaking a little bit of water, but ah, it'll never go dry. Well, if we don't start fixing the holes, we'll find out soon enough. You know, many people said that masks were a silly silly hill to die on. But you know what? I think in retrospect, it was actually the exact hill to die on. And those of us on Team Reality probably should have fought that battle long ago. Can't really do it on planes, but it should have been done on the ground everywhere else. I should have never once in any business worn a mask at all and made the businesses shoo me out of there or threaten to call the cops. I should have gone right up to the woman at at, uh, Costco. I'll never forget it. I was there with my mask down below my nose because my glasses were on. I was looking at a label. And I hear this voice from... Behind me, clearly from the woman handing out samples. Masks over nose pleat. And I just turned, I took a quick glance, and I was like, oh, that was you. And I resisted every urge in my body to go right up to her, to get uncomfortably in her airspace. And to pull down my mask and say, I'm sorry, ma'am. Was that you? I didn't hear you. I had to really get her all triggered. But I thought, she's somebody's grandmother. But? She didn't have to say that. She got off on saying that. (sighs) So it's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. It's a good day. We'll see if the appeals courts go at it or if the Supremes uh, or if there's an airline that clutches to it like, I know we don't have to, but we're going to make it our own requirement. Because maybe they'll get so much heat from the lunatic few And they'll read Twitter too much and they'll go, I don't know, maybe we should just keep this. Remember, kids, COVID travels on air. That. On your breath, aerosolized, in nanoparticles. So small, we don't even understand the unit of measurement they use to say how big they are. They hang in the air for days. Even weeks in poorly ventilated spaces. Try to get your head around that. A COVID particle hangs in the air for a week or longer without ventilation. It's not in droplets or not in schmutz as Fauci derisively called it back in that 60 Minutes interview early in the pandemic, back when he was anti-mandate. He's like, ah, you know, you might not get some schmutz, but I mean, come on. You're on a plane, the air goes in your mouth and nose so you can, you know, not collapse and die. It goes out your mouth and nose. And maybe your ass. But it goes out your mouth and nose. And where does it go? Where does that air go? It goes where air wants to go. Everywhere. It doesn't stay in your little sequined fashion mask. No, it goes where it goes. It's air. And by the way, it gets filtered and cycled and cycled and cycled. Better in an airplane than any other space we have outside of, say, the cliffs of Gibraltar. And guess what? What I just told you was not science. It's common sense. And you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be an environmental expert. You just have to be as smart as a 10-year-old. Or not mentally ill. And with that, we move on to sports. About time. Okay. Told you I was going to be a me show today. You don't like me? Hit skip, delete you really don't like what I said, hit delete, hit unsubscribe. If you really don't like what I said, hit delete, unsubscribe, and cancel your premium membership, although I guarantee there's very few people paying for premium that don't already know where I stand on this kind of stuff. And go live your life. Guy on. there's so many other podcasts out there that would be better suited for you. You'll find them.
1: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick 'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100, get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
0: The Field of Dreams in Dyersville, Indiana is going commercial. They announced plans yesterday to expand to like nine youth fields, an indoor complex, a hotel, I'm sure a gift shop, a bunch of other stuff. It's being financed uh, by a group led by Frank Thomas, former White Sox. And on one level you go, well, that's great. And the movie set field, the main field where they played the MLB game last summer, which was awesome, by the way, is going to stay surrounded by a pretty thick amount of corn. But the rest of it's going to be just like any other, you know, mega youth sports facility around the country, of which there are thousands. I said, wasn't the point of this to stay just a field in the middle of nowhere? Won't the magic be basically lost? You know, and people sort of like, whoa, are you so mad about this? I'm like, I'm not mad about it. It is what it is. I'm disappointed that I didn't go out there when it was just a stupid field. A stupid field and you could just put like a, you know, 10 or a 20 in a box as a donation. I guess inevitably it was going to get bigger because, well, that's what happens. People want to make money. They want to commercialize it. I don't know if there's could have been anything to be done to keep it from exploding into something more than just a, you know, a baseball diamond in the middle of the corn. There'll be extra roadways built and parking lots and who knows what. It won't be, though, what the Field of Dreams once was, which brought up a really good discussion on our five-wide segment on 97.3 The Game about what else has kind of been ruined by the push for bigger, fancier, newer, nicer, more revenue-generating things. And the first name that came up was Lambeau Field. Yes, indeed. Lambeau Field has been made very, very nice. And they have put on extra stuff around Lambeau Field that maybe you'll get to enjoy. There's a sledding hill sponsored by Aaron's, your heavy outdoor equipment and snow removal company based in Wisconsin. And there is a Kohler Lodge which is $1,000 a night, probably in the off season, more during a Packer game. That's really, really swank. Not very many rooms right there in the shadow of Lambeau. There's still a couple neighborhoods, one on the south side, one on the north side that have houses. But there's a big swath of Town that has been pretty much wiped out. Like those who used to go to Lambeau many, 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 many years ago before I ever went, said it was literally a football stadium in the middle of a neighborhood. Lots of neighborhoods. And now it's not that. I'm a little bit less upset by this because I think the NFL demands nice things. What they have at Lambeau with the atrium, the indoor space, and all the other accoutrements to the building itself, absolutely elegantly done. And nobody wants to sit on, you know, Well, they still sit on cold metal bleachers down low. I did for this past Niner playoff game. Nearly died, but it's a different story. Um, But indoors, they've got nice things. There's no charm in going into a concourse that is just concrete and run down and sucks. You might as well make that nice. As far as the gobbling up of land around it to make it sort of a Disney World of Packardom Well, that's a different argument. Maybe it has lost its charm. I don't know. I have not seen Wrigley in many, many, many years since they put up the big Jomotron video boards and they blocked off some of the rooftop uh, accommodations that were not paying the Cubs what they thought was their fair share for being able to gaze from a distance. I think I see the game over there. So I don't know if Wrigley's been quote-unquote ruined. I think Fenway is still fairly pristine. I think... Cameron Indoor is pretty pristine. Augusta National, still pristine, still awesome, but they have been gobbling up chunks of land, chunks of land, chunks of land all around uh, Augusta for more and more corporate-type accommodations and activations and playgrounds for the well-connected rich and the people that get big bonuses in the golf industry. I know a guy that was like the number one tailor-made seller that got invited down to this incredible place to be wined and dined and thanked for moving all that expensive golf equipment. And somebody had a thread on Twitter in which they showed a lot of aerial photos and maps, and they said, look, this is going to sound crazy, but I have this theory that Augusta is slowly ramping up to eventually, wait for it, eventually design a second 18-hole Championship course. Why? Why shut your mouth? Why, you blasphemer? We have no need for another layout. That is the vision of Mr. Jones and the impeccable work by the noted and iconic Scottish architect Alastair McKenzie. We have no intention of soiling this wonderful place with a second 18. That may or may not be up to quality. hold on a second. Uh, Tom Fazio is online too, uh, Mister Fazio. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm intrigued by it. I, I would be all about it if Augusta National said, "Fuck it, we're building a, next, a second 18." It's going to have shades and echoes of the first 18. It's going to be goddamn spectacular because that's all we do. And we're going to rigorously hire the best architects. Maybe it's Fazio. You know, Golf nerds have their favorites, right, and not so favorites. Uh, and of course, we're gonna we're gonna spare no expense to bring in big, tall, mature trees to help frame the holes. Holy shit! Can you can you imagine how good a second eighteen could be at Augusta? Mm. We shall see. Apple's MLB broadcast. I told you if you saw it or heard about it, it sucked on ice. Even Notorious J.A.Y., normally reliably sympathetic to progressive causes like women in broadcasting and whatnot in sports, said that Melanie Newman stinks as a, as a play-by-play broadcaster. And that's when my antenna really got up because I didn't really listen to any of the clips of the broadcast or the broadcast itself. But I thought... If anybody is going to lay down the law, is going to make the rubble jump with this, it's Phil Mushnick of the New York Post. And he has not disappointed with this. Luckily, Mushnick has enough tenure at the Post, and they like his writing to the point where they've come at him for being politically incorrect and insensitive over the years. People have tried to get him fired, knocked off the perch. Thank God he's still there, because he is free to speak his mind. Now, at times, Mushnick gets a little bit too uptight even for me and he harps on things that I'm like oh boy here we go with the running to first thing in baseball but he is not wrong 90% of the time on most stuff regarding broadcasts and sports here's what he writes about the MLB broadcast the MLB the Apple TV MLB broadcast quote let's start with that exclusive Apple TV streamed production of the Mets second game of the season a train wreck colliding with a shipwreck, a total betrayal of baseball and its increasingly disgusted, disenfranchised fans. As per Rob Manfred's eagerness to serve as MLB's madam and its fans as John's. Yes! A straight fire out of the gate. That this was a first ones are free, come on meaning you didn't have to subscribe for the first game made no difference as it was worth as it was worth less than nothing that apple with manfred's show me the money blind ascent was so pitifully unprepared for such an important sell of its exclusivity purchased from mlb on the quiet can only be placed upon manfred's desk as a marketing slogan writes mushnick this debut shouted and don't come back The three commenters selected for the curtain raiser seem to have been drawn from a hat on bingo night. In the rectory basement, one Melanie Newman, who calls Orioles games, to put it indelicately, wouldn't or couldn't shut up. She spoke about anything and everything for three hours and 43 minutes. She was the sister-in-law you're stuck seated next to at Thanksgiving dinner. Emotional damage. (sighs) When the audio was lost during the broadcast, at least twice for my transmission, it created a palpable sense of relief, reminding me of the old maxim, the living shall envy the dead. The video missed pitches, plays, and so many opportunities to provide thoughtful, needed shots. It brought to mind local access cable TV coverage of a high school field hockey game, maybe even JV. A graphic throughout calculated the impossible to calculate outside of a test tube. The percentage of probability, pitch by pitch, of players getting a hit or other things solely reliant on circumstances regardless of the participants. This endeavor was an exercise in the kind of TV progress that can't be impeded. Or was it strictly a money grab? 85 million to further diminish the number of viewers and batter the better senses of those who tried to watch. And yet, it was exploited as bait to sell subscriptions. Writes Mushnick, to whom exactly? Village idiots? It kept strolling through my head, he says. Any retransmission or broadcast of this game without the express written consent of Major League Baseball is strictly prohibited. No worries, Commissioner. It's all yours. Besides, one couldn't even DVR the game on the Apple TV app. There's more exclusive Apple games this coming Friday. Rays White Sox and Reds Dodgers. How can such a total dismemberment be corrected in a few days? It can't. And Yankees Royals received the same Friday Apple treatment on the 29th. As reader Chris Della put it, If they don't care about the game, neither will I. Savage and on point. Then there it came to Tiger Woods and the CBS coverage. He points out, You wouldn't know that Tiger's miraculous comeback, listening to CBS, was fully caused by his own rank negligence had a guy named Joe returned to his job as a welder forget that Woods had often previously been treated from a doctor flown in from Canada one who'd been convicted of dispensing illegal and mislabeled drugs though Woods denies any use of such had Joe the welder done this would crews on ESPN and CBS have admired Joe's courage or would they have shaken their heads in disgust Yet even as Scotty Scheffler put it out on 18 to win the Masters, Nance continued to chant his adulation of Woods, who'd finished 23 shots back by saying, Tiger can win this, meaning, you know, in the future. He had then said he's the bravest man on earth. I don't think he said that. Uh, that might be a mustic euphemism. Either way. He writes, it kills me to write this because I know Nance to be a good man, but he has sacrificed his credibility at the altar of Tiger Woods. And if he doesn't know it, then genuine golf fans, as opposed to Tiger yahoos, do. And they have known this for years. Phil Mushnick, not wrong, and (laughs) absolutely devastating. What's up with Elon Musk and Twitter? Like I said, I've got low hopes, low expectations. Poison pill defense has been... Activated by Twitter. Musk is evaluating plan B, which he says he has. I say it probably won't happen because if it did happen, it would be awesome with a capital A. Awesome. (laughs) And very few things this awesome ever happen anymore. But here was the take from one uh, Kevin. Is it Kevin O'Leary? Or Kevin Leary of Shark Tank saying basically, oh, Twitter needs a shakeup. He's not necessarily pro-Elon Musk. He may not share some of his political leanings, but overall as a company and as a stock, yeah, shake away. Uh, Deciding for me. Kevin, what do you think? So the way I'd like
2: to look at this, because this debate around curating content is not unique to Twitter. This is a problem for all social media platforms. And over the last decade, almost 10 years, this company's been public. And if you compare its performance, let's talk about investors. This is the most miserable investment you could have put your dollars into in social media. It has totally lagged all its other competitors, never grew anywhere near as fast as Google or Facebook or Instagram or even TikTok that just cleaned it out almost right away in a matter of months you have to ask yourself that the rotating suite of executives that come through this thing, and all the stock options issued over the last nine years have created virtually no value for the shareholder. Now, the best way to look at this is you gave them a decade. Want to get the whacking stick out and just start huh. all over again? <laughs> and that's what Elon stick. Musk is proposing. The biggest risk for shareholders here, whether you believe in the free speech issue or not is if Musk goes away. Then they're back in the same miserable place they are now. You know, there's Dante's hell. At the very bottom of that is Twitter. This has <laughs> been a horrific place to try and grow a business. <laughs> it needs change. It needs the whacking stick. It needs everybody cleaned out of there. And I think, frankly, if you ask me about free speech and who should be canceled, who's not, the reason this thing is underperformed is they've tried to do this curation by canceling voices and losing millions of followers. Yeah, this is I a mean, business. We-
0: yeah. So there you go on that. I, uh, I believe I've got uh, a financial guy lined up. Uh, podcast guru Chris Broussard says he's got a guy that does a financial podcast. He contributes to CNBC. He can walk me and us, you know, hostile takeovers for idiots uh, perhaps later on this week. Colin Kaepernick now says he's willing to be a backup in the NFL. He just needs an opportunity. Little late, buddy. Little late. (laughs) The 34-year-old sat down for a rare interview with former NFL stars Chad Johnson, Pac-Man Jones, Brandon Marshall for an episode of I Am Athlete. This after a recent workout near the House of Athlete facility in Weston, Florida. When asked, he said he would take a role similar to that of Carmelo Anthony, in the NBA, where the future Hall of Famer signed for the veterans minimum, about $2.6 million to play in a minimized role with the Lakers.
1: Carmelo Anthony NBA, can Carmelo Anthony go from being Carmelo Anthony and being coming off the bench? Can he take league minimum, right? Are you willing to be do what Carmelo Anthony did? If an opportunity presented itself today and they said, we want to bring you in as the backup, would you take that? Yeah. You'll take that? If an no, opportunity... I, I know I have to find my way back in. Okay. So. Yeah, if I have to
2: come in as a backup, that's fine. But that's not, where I'm, that's not where I'm staying. And when I prove that I'm a starter, I want to be able to step on the field as such. I just need that opportunity right. to walk through the door. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, that was fine five years ago. That, that was the attitude to have five years ago before you sued the NFL, before you signed with Nike. To pretty much be this activist before you compared the NFL draft to a slave auction, which was absurd for anyone with a brain. But good luck to you, Colin. I hope it works out. Then there's this strokes gained. What the hell is strokes gained? You know that Jordan Spieth won the uh, Harbortown at Harbortown, the whatever they're calling it now, uh, with the Plaid Jackets. He won with a minus like three points something in strokes gained putting, which is the lowest number uh, to win a tournament strokes putting wise since 2009. Now strokes gained is a advanced statistical way to kind of measure golfers in certain areas. They do, you know, where does he rank strokes gained off the tee? Strokes gained with the iron, stroke ga- strokes gained putting. And I've never really dug in to be able to get my head around it and figure out how I could explain it in a short elevator pitch to people out there. So let me give it a try. We'll see how it goes. They use this example on the PGA Tour.com's website, saying that, you know, when Ricky Fowler won the PGA Tour or the uh, players' championship in 2014, uh he, for example, on 18, he hit a drive on the 446-yard par four. In the fairway, 116 yards from the hole. So he bombed a drive, 330 yards, had 116 in. Well, they calculate the baseline par for a hole based on the yardage and, I guess, difficulty, and they had assigned a baseline number for 18 at Sawgrass of 4.1. Then they took the number of all tour pros from 116 yards in from the hole, And they calculated what's the average number of strokes it takes to get in from 116. That number is 2.8 and change. So you take the baseline score, 4.1 for the hole. You minus one, which was his shot. That's one shot. And then you minus out what he is expected to have to spend to get in from 116. That's 2.8 and change. So he gained 0.27 strokes on the field with his tee shot. So that his, his strokes gained off the tee. And they calculate all the other elements of the game similarly because what they're doing on tour is they've got specific down-to-the-inch uh, devices that measure how far you are from the hole. And so they do that both on approach shots to the green, they do it for short game stuff, they do it for bunker stuff, they do it for putting as well. And they can do it down to the inch. And so they basically then say, all right, a tour pro from 26 feet, two inches on average on tour or more specifically on average during this event at this golf course with these greens, because they're all different courses. Some greens are harder than others. They measure them through the week and then they say, well, here's how you did versus everybody else from these specific distances. I don't know. Did I explain it well or not? I think I understand it better. But I'm not sure I explained it better. One thing, the only reason that I did go into it to try to understand it is I've kind of realized that I have, like a lot of people, a phobia of learning about complicated things. And I run from things that are complicated. Like, say, for example, my tax returns, which thankfully got done by my fearless tax preparer of many years. I quickly get into it and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to know about it. But I should. There's no reason I shouldn't. It's good mental exercise. It's good and important to know things like this in life. Knowing things about how your computer systems work that are important for your job is something you should not shy away from. For example, I was trying to send a group text to all 24 members of the upcoming Malcolm McLeod Memorial 20th anniversary trip down to Myrtle Beach this year. And I put everyone's cell phone on my iMessage window on my computer, and I sent it out, and I said, "Fellas, this is the group text for the upcoming trip. Feel free to chatter on here, but let's not abuse it." And people kept coming back to me with, "I, I only see w- w- your name here. It's just your name. It's what's going on." So I said, "Okay, this could be the Android problem." So I then ferreted out in my system. Okay, this guy's number when I call it up shows up as gray, not blue on iMessage therefore he's not Apple so that could be the problem but then I tried it again a different way and it turned out that still didn't work and then I went to Google and I said what's going on here and I googled in some question turns out that Verizon only allows up to 20 individuals on a group text and I'm on Verizon other carriers allow more it's complicated it's stupid I would have normally just said, ah, I'll send an email and be done with it. But I wanted to learn more. You should learn more. Don't be afraid of learning. That's the message there. Now we end with this. Who doesn't want a little visit to pound town? One of the great real estate listings, along with photos, I think anyone has ever seen, is a house in On Alaska, Wisconsin. On Alaska, one word, on Alaska, Wisconsin, selling for $420,000. Lovely inside, a single family ranch on maybe an acre. And inside, they've got pictures of all the relevant rooms living room, kitchen, bathrooms, and master bedroom. Oh, I'm sorry, not the master bedroom. That's racist. The primary bedroom. Above the headboard, and what looks like it was purchased at Michael's Arts and Crafts, or perhaps a Home Goods, or maybe even, although I doubt it because they're a religious company, um, Hobby Lobby, is a sign that says over the bed, Pastor Bedroom, welcome to Pound Town. Welcome to Poundtown. Now, it's possible that a woman with a very confident sexuality and a wicked sense of humor has no problem if an occasional guest to her house, when getting shown the nickel tour, oh, let me see the house. Okay, great. And you show them in there, and they immediately, their eyes go above the bed and they see, Welcome to Poundtown. Maybe that's a real sign that she really likes up there. Or it is a brilliant troll by the realtor to increase the number of eyeballs on this particular property by, let's see, approximately Zay Metrics, 486%. Do you have something badass in your master bedroom above your bed? If not a sign that says Welcome to Poundtown, you got maybe a, a, a oil painting replica of you as a minotaur, sort of like uh, reportedly Derek Jeter had in his? If so, let me know. I am very curious. Oh, boy, look at the time. 39 minutes of me prattling on. Just me. Nobody else. We'll resume having guests with me the rest of this week, and I appreciate the solo trip with you. If you like this podcast, send me a note saying good job. If you didn't like it, fuck off. I'm just kidding. If you didn't like it, you can still send me an email and I will take as best I can your creative, constructive, construct con- creative, constructive criticism. Nailed it to heart. But don't just say, I don't come here for politics. Did I give you politics? I gave you some politics, but the world is politics. The world has gone mad with politics. At some point I'm going to burst. I got to fucking speak my mind. Thank God the mask mandate is dead. And if it was a bipartisan issue where half of all Republican voters and half of all Democrats had aligned on the side of, yeah, we need to still wear masks on plane, then fine. we Then there would be a different story. But it's not. And it wasn't. So there you go. Anyway, thanks for listening. Rate and review if you want. Spread the word. Have yourself a great Tuesday. And we will see you next time.
1: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a Pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free.
0: That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Just because the NFL season is now firmly in the rearview mirror does not mean the Fine, you can do that as well. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. Bet, win, and most importantly, get paid with my bookie today.